Um, I find it funny how often people say things that we just already know, you know? Like, what a year it's been. We've been through a lot, haven't we? <laughs> it's been a difficult time. And everywhere you hear us talking about coming out of COVID. Um, but I feel like I want to focus for the next few weeks on a series that I'm calling Coming Out of the COVID Cocoon. Because I believe as you understand that there's transformation that happens and that it's a different life than it was before, but it's something more beautiful and better. I believe that's what God wants for his people, first and foremost, is that we would emerge from this as emerging from a cocoon, that we would emerge with new life, new perspective, and new beauty. So I'm calling this series Emerging from COVID's Cocoon. And as I thought about this, um, one of the, the stories that came to my mind is one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible and all of Scripture. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. If you'd like to follow along in your own versions, in your own Bible, it will be on the screen as well. Um, but it's the story of the dry bones and vanished hope. And, um, and it is one, just one of those great, great stories of the Bible. But I believe that, that in this day and age, there's something about it right at this moment that is fresh for us, that is new for us, that we need to hear. Um, because sometimes we read things like of what we call biblical proportions, you know, because they're so much larger than life. And yet we have to admit and understand that what we are going through is probably bigger and larger and more profound than anything that we've experienced in a long, long time. So if you would join with me as we first of all read this story and then we'll take a look at what it has to say to us, Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, this is Ezekiel speaking, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and I will make flesh come upon you and I will cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying that there was a noise, a, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and, and their tendons and flesh appeared on them and then skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the men and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people 
I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Today, friends, we are living in a valley of dry bones all over the world. To various degrees, yes, it's been worse for some than others. We are living in a situation that is really pretty dry, pretty dead, and pretty hopeless for many, many people. The situation that this was written in was the nation of Israel was taken from its homeland by foreigners, by people that spoke a different language, brought into that new place and forced to live at worst as slaves, at best as second or third class citizens, always under some type of oppression, be it economic or otherwise, that they were living in to the point where they felt like our bones are dried up and there was no hope left in us. To me, it's startling how similar it is to the experience of people of African descent in America, having been taken from their homeland, forced to be at worst slaves, at best maybe second, third class citizens, suffering under oppression. The question is, can these bones live? And like Ezekiel, I believe that we are being called to come and to stand and to bear witness to the pain and the suffering in the world. You know, Ezekiel was alive and well. He was doing okay. God had already restored and healed him, but he had to be brought out from where he was. You know, which was his maybe his apathy or his ignorance or his isolated privilege into the place where the dry bones were and made to bear witness to the pain and the suffering of the world. Friends, we are living in a moment where we are called to bear witness to the pain and suffering of people in the world. Whatever community it is, there are many communities that are suffering. There are many places around the world where there is suffering. There are many people struggling to find life who have been the victims of historic oppression, who don't have the economic resources that other people have in so many ways, shapes, and forms. We are called to be like Ezekiel and to stand and bear witness to the pain and the suffering of other people in this world. Of course, we know one of the things that literally brought the world to its knees is this COVID pandemic, this global pandemic that is still going on in the world. How quickly we forget, how quickly I forget. I'm feeling good, I'm like, we don't have to wear masks anymore as long as we're fully vaccinated, but we may still, if we're not feeling well or we feel vulnerable, that's okay, but we feel like things are getting back to normal or whatever, things will never get back to normal, but we want to feel better, right? And then I read this article that today, as of today, the global death total from COVID-19 has surpassed the entire total of 2020. More people in the world have already died of COVID this year than all the people that died of it last year. Because in the world, there are countries that are not as wealthy, not as privileged as our country. And the pandemic is still raging and killing people and destroying economies around the world. And I believe God is calling us in this season like Ezekiel to come and to stand and to bear witness to the pain and the suffering of the world. People who feel like I'm living in a valley of dry bones. There's valleys.
signs of dry bones everywhere. Yes, even in our country. Yes, even in our state. Yes, maybe even in some families that we might not even know what's going on on the inside. But there is such a valley of dry bones. There is such pain. There is such anguish. There is a feeling that all hope has vanished. You know why we're called to do that? Because it's the way of Christ. Christ comes to us to suffer with us and by suffering with us to show solidarity with us. And friends, we are being given an opportunity in this moment to suffer with those who suffer and to stand in solidarity together with them. And maybe somehow this pandemic gave us that mindset as we realized we're all in this together. It's something that it affects each and every person that lives on the face of this earth, right? So that's the situation. So then the question becomes, the question we wanna ask ourselves is this, can these bones live? Whatever your boneyard is, whatever valley of bones that you have been called to bear witness to, whether it's your own or someone else's, the question that we ask, right, is can these bones live? It's not a general question. Ezekiel knows that God can raise the dead. He has seen the power of God at work. He knows that God can do anything that God wants to do. It's not that kind of question. His question is can these bones live? My people... Israel, the sufferings we've gone through, can these bones live? And the question that should be on each and every one of our hearts and minds is when we look at our valley of bones, we know God can do it. But the question is, will God do it in this situation right here and right now? Well, friends, let me tell you some good news this morning. We don't have to answer that question. Like Ezekiel, we can throw it back to God and say, oh God, only you know. There are some things, God, that are way above our pay grade, and you understand that because you made us. So when we ask, can these bones live, God gives us an answer. And that's the answer I want to share with you this morning. And his answer is a resounding, yes, they can. And watch what I'm going to do. So it's interesting to note the process the process of, of, of healing, of restoration, of bringing these bones back to life. The process for us, if we'll think about it, about emerging out of the cocoon of COVID. You know, how are we going to come alive again after such tragedy and devastation of all different kinds and levels? Well, I believe that there are some principles in this story that are for us today. And I want to focus on that verse in the chapter, verse 13, where God says, I will open up your graves I will bring you up from them, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. And this is a three-step process that I believe God is going to use in our lives today as we emerge from the COVID cocoon. The first thing God says is I'm going to open up the graves. I'm going to open up the graves. We've been living hidden, have we not? We've been entombed in a sense, you know, uh, and we've hidden behind masks. And I'm not talking just when COVID started. We've been hiding behind masks for a long time. Probably since the time we were able to understand that we needed to play a role to please somebody else. We've been living behind masks. We've been living isolated. We've been living with despair and loneliness. And all COVID has done is reveal it. It hasn't caused it so much as it has revealed it that we are living with these deep sense of, of, of what is going to happen to us, right? COVID-19 revealed our fragility, our vulnerability, the fact that we, there are some things that are beyond our control and we are at the mercy of them and they're even beyond our understanding or beyond our ability to immediately deal with them. We become so arrogant as the human race to think that we are our own gods. 
But what has been revealed is our humanity has been revealed. And we've had to get in touch with it more than ever. And when George Floyd was murdered on the streets of Minneapolis and, and all of these things happening, that does not cause racism. It reveals the racism, the sin of pride and arrogance that exists in our hearts. Things were revealed that we had to face, that we had to look at, right? And it was revealed, right, that, that there is this deep anger within us. There's this deep anxiety. There's this deep fear. And so I believe what this season has been is a season of revelation that God wants to reveal to us our sin and our humanity. And I think hopefully God is revealing to us that, that, that we're not right, none of us. We're not right, none of us. There, there is a way in which all of us must come to grips with our own limitations, our own humanity, and the sin that we struggle with each and every day. So in this, in this time of revelation, we need to understand that we need to see things for how they really are, right? Because God says, listen, I'm gonna open up the grave, right? I'm gonna open up the grave. And what happens when you open up a grave? Has anybody ever done that? I've met very few people that have had the experience of opening up a grave. It reminds me of Jesus going to his friend Lazarus when Lazarus has died, and he tells him to open up the grave, grave and what do they say to him? Lord, it stinketh in the old King James. They're like, there is going to be a foul wind that emits from that tomb if you remove that stone, right? And isn't that how we feel about ourselves? If I take off my mask, something bad is gonna happen. I'm gonna be rejected. I'm gonna be hurt. I'm gonna be dismissed. If I open up about this in my past, then there's gonna be shame that pours into me. But the first step of healing, friends, is you gotta reveal. You gotta open it up. And in that revelation, in that story, I love that story of Jesus. Jesus is coming to raise his friend from the dead, but he's in no hurry. First he stops, and he just has some, some loving interaction with Mary and Martha. And then he says, take me to the place where they've laid him. And when he comes to the spot where he's going to perform his greatest miracle today, he pauses before he produces. And he says, let me take a moment and just mark the pain of this situation. And in the shortest verse in the Bible, it says, Jesus wept. Jesus paused to bear witness to the pain and the suffering that was experienced through the death of this man. There's a word for that, it's called lament. Lament is pausing to bear witness to the pain and suffering of our own lives and of the lives of others. All kinds of faith traditions have a long history of and tradition of lament, including Christianity. You can look at the books of Job and Psalms and Lamentations in the Old Testament. You can look at the lament of Jesus himself, but lament is a way that we deal with the pain that we experience, both our own pain and the pain we witness in other people. And Richard Rohr says that we must transform our pain, for if we don't, we will most likely transmit it to those around us and even on to the next generations. And part of the process of transforming our pain is to pause and to lament, to bear witness to the suffering and pain of our lives and the lives of others. So let's do that this morning. Let's lament. Amen? Amen. This is important. God brought you out of your homes, out of your cars, out of your beds, out of wherever you are, into this valley this morning 
God says, I want you to stand like Ezekiel and I want you to bear witness to the pain that you felt in your life and your family and the pain of others around you in the world, okay? So I'm just gonna guide us through this prayer and I want you to take some moments to pray along with me and to bear witness in your heart and in your soul to our pain. Lord, we come to you, first of all, God. Our hearts are weary, broken, and sad. Grief follows us. Pain is our companion on the road. Just think about your own grief and pain that you've experienced this last year. We have suffered so much death and loss that we are weary to our bones. We are disconnected and we feel alone. We are divided, parents against children, brother against brother, sister against sister, half nation against half nation. The sins of our past have revisited us. They were just beneath the surface. Covered in a coat of whitewash, we are newly aware of our complicity. We mourn our blindness. We regret our apathy. We weep at the state of our world. Take a moment and bear witness to the pain of the world that has been suffering during this past year and a half. We wish we had done things differently. We grieve the wrongs done by us and by others. Think about your own regrets or the things that have happened this year that you wish had been done differently. And just bear witness to that pain. We open our hearts before you. We are vulnerable and at your mercy. Let your will be done to us. Let your will be done, God. Let your will be done. Hear our cry and help us, O oh God, to walk humbly through the agonizing grief and the ache of suffering out to where mercy falls. Before Jesus opened the grave, he paused to lament, to mark the moment. Do you, do you feel rushed? I felt like we needed to do this today because I feel rushed sometimes. I feel like things are accelerating mm -hmm. as we're coming out of COVID. And, and, and sometimes it causes a bit of a disconnect, doesn't it? Sometimes we're, it's jarring. I used to you know, make sure I was wearing my mask to be respectful to people, and then I go into some places and they want you to wear the mask, and other places they don't. And I feel like, okay, are people gonna look at me and say, oh, you're not vaccinated, or are they gonna think I'm sick because I'm wearing a mask, or maybe I just feel like I want, you know what? Sometimes it's like, you, you don't know what to think. You, you don't know what to think. 
And then people come on and they always have all this expert opinion, right? You hear one thing and then somebody says something else and your families are arguing with you all the time. And we're getting so angry at each other because we're so divided. God is opening up the graves. He's about to do a work. But he pauses to weep and lament. I notice the next thing that, that happens is that the, the, when God opens up the graves, he says, then I will bring you up from them, right? I will bring you up from the grave. And I think there's a beautiful word in that. How many of you know that when God brings you out, he brings you up? Amen. How many of you know that when God brings you out, he brings you up? Do you have confidence that where God is bringing you is better than where you've been? And if where you are is not better, then that's only a sign that that's not the final stop. God's not done yet. You aren't at the final place. If where you are is not better than where you've been, then that means you have not yet arrived to where God is taking you. Because when God brings you out, he brings you up. And God brings us through things because God is bringing us, hallelujah, to a better place than where we live. God is bringing us to a better place than where we live. The house of the Lord is where we will dwell forever. The kingdom of God is where we will live forever. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Even the people in heaven right now, think about that. They got a better place coming. It's a new heaven, hallelujah. How great is God that even those who are in heaven are getting a better place. And those of us who are on this earth that feels like a valley of dry bones, we're getting a better place because God says, I'm gonna open up this grave and it's gonna stink Literally, figuratively, pun intended. It's going to stink this process, but I'm going to bring you up from the grave. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you notice the process from the vision, this is what I'm going to talk about. It's a whole step-by-step, -step, right? First of all, the bones come together, right? Think about it. This happens slow enough that Ezekiel could kind of watch it. This bone comes flying to this bone. This bone comes flying to this bone, right? The skull comes back on. And then the tendons come back on and then the muscles and, and then the flesh and the skin comes back on, right? There's this whole process of reconnecting before God does the final thing of breathing life into it. And I believe that in this season, not only God is God revealing, but God is calling us, bringing us to reconnect, to reconnect with him, to reconnect with others and to reconnect with ourselves, right? Because that's the vision we want. Does anybody else feel like your life is in pieces sometimes? Do you feel like you're disconnected? Do you feel like you're a different way with some people than with other people, a different way at work than at home? Does it feel like things are disjointed? Is there a lack of wholeness and, and unity to your life and to your purpose? God wants to reconnect us. He wants to bring us together piece by piece. And when we reconnect to ourselves, we reconnect to God. Let me share this quote from Thomas Merton. He said, there is only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend, to discover myself in discovering God. If I find God, I will find myself. If I find my true self, I will find God. You see, God only meets us in ourselves. God doesn't meet us outside of who we are. God meets us right in our mind, in our heart, in our body, in our spirit, in our thinking and in our talking, God only meets us where we are. So if we want to find God, we need to find ourselves. And when we find ourselves, we will find God. You see, some people have doubted that. They've said, oh, but Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But what Jesus was saying was deny your false self. 
Deny your false sense of identity and discover who you truly are in me. You see, that's why you've got to read the whole Bible, friends. Because even the great spiritual mystics and thinkers of old said that if I'm going to find myself, I need to find God. And if I'm going to find God, I need to find myself. St. Augustine himself prayed, Lord, help me to know myself better that I might know thee better. There is no true knowledge of self without knowledge of God. No true knowledge of God without knowledge of self. So we re need to reconnect to ourselves. And why do we need to reconnect to ourselves? Because we need to reconnect to God. And that's how we'll do it. That's how we'll do it is when we reconnect to ourselves. And I believe that if any of us are feeling any bit like a valley of dry bones in some way, shape, or form, right? And connection's a process. The bones come together, all right, that's good. But then you gotta get the tendons and the flesh on, right? You gotta, I mean, it's a process. It's a process of reconnecting, but God is doing it. God is reconnecting us. God is putting us back together again. So here's what I wanna do for the exercise for reconnection, all right? I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes, all right, for a minute, take a deep breath, and I wanna help you reconnect to yourself, and in doing so, reconnect to God. Think about a time in your life when you were really happy, when you were really happy, or when you felt really connected to God. Think about a time in your life. And just let whatever comes to your mind first be there, right? What did it feel like to be in that place where you felt joy, where you felt happiness, where you felt peace? What was it for you? Was it when you got baptized? Was it when you met someone? Was it when you were doing a certain activity here? Right, where have you been the happiest? And then the question is, how do you get back to that place? How do you reconnect with that part of yourself? And just say a little prayer. Just say, God, help me to reconnect with this part of me. Help me to reconnect with my joy, with my peace, with my faith, whatever it is that God is speaking to you. Amen. And I know I just gave you a few minutes, but I want you to take that with you and to think about reconnecting with that. I'll give you an example. I thought about this in preparation. Like, okay, let me do this exercise and, you know, close my eyes and think about when I was happy. And being a kid that grew up in Colorado and being outside all the time, I love to be in nature. And I realized that I'm reconnecting with myself and God by being outside more. I mean, COVID taught me that if I didn't get outside, I didn't do very well mentally and emotionally. In, in my health and well-being. So I started to get outside more. I started to walk more. And then I started reading these things that talk about nature. You know how things start to pile on each other and you, and you notice the theme, right? And, and, and I realized even as I was preparing for the sermon that I was out walking on a trail and God was like, hello, this is the way that you are reconnecting with yourself and that you are reconnecting uh, with me. And so maybe it's, it's something that you used to do as a kid. Maybe it's a creative endeavor. Maybe it's a spiritual discipline. Um, you know, maybe it's something. Maybe you want to go back and reread a book, you know, or rewatch a movie or, you know what, go through some old pictures. Somehow reconnect with who you are, with who God has made you uh, to be. And I think that God wants us to reconnect, right? 
So God says, I will open up the graves. I will bring you up from them by reconnecting you bone to bone, tendon to tendon, muscle to muscle, and covered with flesh. But as Ezekiel said, there's still something missing, right? All of that happened, but there was no life in them. They were standing there like zombies. Well, I guess zombies move. I don't know what to call them. Just like empty corpses, okay? Which to me is a little scarier than a field of dry bones, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a little creepier to me to have the flesh and everything on, but nothing's inside, right? There's nothing going on. So what's the final step? The final step is God says, I will send my spirit into you so that you will live. And the word for spirit is rock in Hebrew, and it's pneuma in Greek, and it means breath. The word for breath is the word for spirit, so it's the breath of God that gets breathed into you. Even though we may not be feeling like we're, it's as dramatic or as bad as a valley of dry bones, although for many of us it is, we can at the very least say we're feeling uninspired, right? What does inspired mean? Inspire, in spirit. The spirit gets put in you. The breath of God gets put in you. So if you're uninspired, you feel like there's no breath of God in you. There's no spirit of God in you. And we all feel like that. We all feel that way because we need God to breathe in us again, to breathe his life into us, to inspire us by pouring the spirit into us. It's called revive. Revive is to make something live again, to live again, to once again bring us to life. It's only by the Spirit of God. It's only God breathing in, right? Because the opening up of the graves, the coming out of the bones, the reconnection of everything, that's all great, but it's nothing without the breath of God, without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, without being inspired once again with the power and the presence of God. And how does it happen? And again, I'm closing here today. I believe this is instructive for us as well. I believe God is calling us to this moment, this Ezekiel moment, right? God uses Ezekiel, the man of God, to come and to prophesy, to speak the word of God, to speak what God has said so that God can revive and restore and resurrect all those who are dead and bring all those dry bones together. Amen. So I believe there's three things I want us to focus on in this. One, maybe you just need to be your own Ezekiel. Maybe you just need to speak words to yourself. Maybe if you're looking at your life and you're like, I feel dry and I feel without hope. Well, maybe God is saying, listen, you know my promises. You know what I say. Why don't you start speaking that to yourself? Why don't you start speaking life? over your own life? Why don't you just start speaking joy over your own life? Why don't you speak strength and peace and power over your own life, right? We know that, intuitively know that, that the way we talk about ourselves mentally, the way we think about ourselves, that it has an effect on us. But this is no self-help that's abstracted from the Word of God. The Word of God has been given to us, the Bible's been given to us so that we can speak the Word of God. When Ezekiel was around, he didn't have all of this. Maybe some things were written down, probably not. The word of the Lord had to come directly to people. And then later on, they were able to write it down. And we're like, God, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, give me a word. And God's like, I've given you thousands of them. <laughs> God, God, where's your voice? I want to hear your voice. I've been speaking to you for 10,000 years. 
I'm constantly speaking to you. I'm constantly giving you promises. I'm constantly telling you I'm with you. I'm for you, not against you. I am love. I am light. I am peace. I am hope. I have plans for you. I will take care of you. I will bring you out. I will bring you up. I will bring you through. I won't make it easy, but I'll make it good. God is constantly saying things to us. Constantly speak those words over your own life. Friends, maybe you need to get an Ezekiel. Maybe you need to find an Ezekiel, right? Maybe you need to say, look, I need someone to speak over me. I need someone to pray over me, right? Sometimes I wonder why I'm more, in the beginning, a lot of people were. In the beginning, a lot of people were like, oh, I need prayer, I need prayer, I need you, I need you to speak, you know, pray, say something. But it, it's fallen off in the last few months. People don't seem to, you know, want something spoken over them, or I don't know. Y'all good? Y'all handling this all right? If you are, then I need you to pray for me, all right? So, so if you got nothing, reach out to me, because I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate you speaking something over me. I mean, you got it good, you know, because I keep asking to be prayer. I get nothing. I get no prayer requests, no nothing. Then you need, I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to say, hey, listen, I got something I need you to pray about. Because, you know, we have that power that God has given us. Mm. We can all be Ezekiel's for someone else Amen. and for ourselves. And here's that part too, but be an Ezekiel for someone else, right? Maybe God, maybe things are going well. And, and, and that joke is kind of actually a serious thing. Maybe God wants you like Ezekiel to go to somewhere where it's not going so well and begin to speak the words of life. It's like that Toby Mac song that we played right before the service. Speak life to the dead as dark as night. Speak life where the sun don't shine and you don't know why. Amen. Listen to the cries of the brokenhearted and then watch them come alive as you speak hope, you speak love, you speak life.